welcome to uh, the Talk Film Society Festival podcast series. Um, I'm Manish Mather, writer at Talk Film Society and podcaster with them as well. And uh, we're going to be talking about um, two movies for our holiday double feature. One is Stanley Kubrick's 1989 masterpiece, Eyes Wide Shut. And the other is uh, Todd Haynes' 2015 masterpiece, Carol. And I'm very excited uh, because I have with me um, a very special guest, uh, Alex Marcus. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, doing very well. Very excited to be here. You know, I love I love the holiday season. I love holiday movies, especially um, holiday movies that are, I guess, unconventional, um, but still, you know, about you know the holiday season. Um, and I feel like the movie that we're talking about today are um, very much centered around, like I guess, Christmas as a concept and. Uh, all the sort of the highs and lows, I guess, of the holiday season. Um, So why don't we just dive in? Um, Tell me your initial thoughts on um, Eyes Wide Shut. So I watched this, especially for this episode. I'd never seen it before. It was a major blind spot of mine. And um, it was very interesting, uh, to put it, like, lately. (laughs) (laughs) I had, like, it, it was weird to try to, like, meet my preconceived notions of what this movie was, which of, of which I've heard so much about over the years, uh, with what it actually was. And what struck me the most was the small scope of the story, which is very interesting. It's really, it's a movie that takes place over only a couple of days, and it's really just, it's basically just, like, uh, about a married, a married couple who are in the middle of a fight and just being sort of passive aggressive um and that's kind of the main thrust of the whole movie in a lot of ways like it's you could look at it through this whole kind of like the ways in which stanley kubrick looks at it where he creates this incredible vision of new york city as this sort of like this like this haunted dreamscape of like debauchery and and uh desire um where like danger lurks at every corner um and he and he does that so well but the story itself is just basically like tom cruise is told by uh his wife nicole goodman that she once almost had an affair with someone and it makes him so mad that he spends the next like two days trying and failing to have an affair (laughs) and (laughs) and he gets into some crazy scenarios as a result but that's basically the whole story and that kind of surprised me i was i didn't realize that the story had such a limited scope in that regards yeah i definitely agree with you um so this movie i've seen eyes wide shut you know a number of times i think the first time i watched it um was like when i was in college on on christmas break although i think i watched it in like january because i remember um, my parents actually were in India at the time, so I was kind of home alone for a few days uh, before, like, uh, or I think, like, they had gone, um, and my sisters had gone back, you know, to, to their lives, so I was kind of waiting for them to come home, you know, the next week, so I watched it alone, and, like, man, it gave me nightmares. It was, I thought it was so scary, um, and, uh, but then I, like, it's, like, one of those movies that, like, scares me, but then I, like, keep watching it, like, The Shining as well, and, um, I totally agree with you that it has such a, like, it's really, the story is actually very simplistic, and the fact that it goes for almost three hours, I think, is a testament to, I think, Kubrick's uh, eye for, you know, detail, and, you know, like, he really tracks this this short period of time. You kind of, 
get a glimpse of like every um, almost every minute of each day and each night, and uh, I find that very fascinating. Um, and you know, I I love that this movie is like you know takes place during the sort of what I kind of refer to as like a somewhat like magical time of the year, which is like right before Christmas, like. You know, that, like, I like the, I love the holiday season, but, like, for me, like, the, like, 20th to, like, the January 1st is, like, it's just, like, it's a really fun time. Um, but what I love about this movie is that this, um, it takes that, like, this period of time, which drew absolutely right, just a couple of days, and it just, like, really just distorts it into this, like, nightmare scenario of, like, you know, you have the, like, Christmas lights that are just, like, in every scene, and, it's winter, people are Christmas shopping and all that, and you think of it as this, like, jolly, merry time, but this couple's marriage is, like, disintegrating, and, you know, um, Tom Cruise's character, he just is um, made aware of all these, like, machinations that happen, um, both, like, within this, like, kind of upper echelon of society and sort of things that are going on in his wife's mind, you know. He was kind of just living this life of where he's, like, the big shot. And then he realizes that he's actually, like, a very minor cog in the system. And um, <laughs> I just, like, you know, like, I, we see a lot of movies, you know, during the holiday season about, like, the importance of family, you know, the nuclear family as a unit, as an institution. And I think Kubrick is just, like he just was um, really just like showing us that through, through like a looking glass where everything's just so like weirdly calibrated. There's like a lot of like weird power dynamics and, you know, it's just, um, yeah. Like as, as someone who loves kind of like conventional holiday films, like this one that's like really, really highlights sort of like the evil nature of, Consumer, consumerism and capitalism I, like it just really I find it be endlessly fascinating yeah I totally agree I think that the way he uses Christmas is just so interesting and like this time of year like I because I mean we've both lived in New York City during this time of year and it definitely is it's very notable the way that the city sort of transforms around the season of Christmas in a way that it really doesn't for any other season. Um, and, and it's just like what Kubrick is so great at doing is showing the way that you can just twist these things that we take for granted as having these like powerful emotional signifiers and just like by shifting it like 90 degrees in another direction, it just creates this whole incredibly di disturbing a different set of emotions uh just like the use of red which obviously is like very emotionally potent for like desire and impulse and rage and and anger and and violence is also the color of the season of christmas and so it's just like the the red lights that are flashing and everything it just has such like a double meaning to it which is great and another thing that you're mentioning about how like uh tom cruise's character slowly realizes that he is uh very insignificant in this larger world that he had taken for granted um a nice little character detail that i love that recurs throughout the whole movie is he's constantly 
flashing his uh, New York State like uh, doctor, like medical board uh, <laughs> car ID card, as if he's like a police detective, and it's like this like gateway key to like get into like any situation. He's like, ah, oh, but I'm a doctor. Look, see, and it's like it it weirdly it's always effective in getting the desired outcome, but it it you almost feel like they were going to tell him anyway because like he looks and acts like Tom Cruise and like he doesn't need this like little tiny piece of paper that doesn't mean anything within the context of what's going on like being a doctor doesn't let you interrogate a hotel manager like what like how does that have anything to do with anything <laughs> like I need I need to give him test results like what that that's not a thing that doesn't no one would be like oh okay never mind <laughs> But it just, it's all, he needs that as, like, this status, this signifier of status and power, because he has so little of it that he just, like, clings to it and he throws it around. And it's just such a notable contrast to when he runs into people with actual status and actual power. They don't need to do anything to signify. In fact, they, like, completely remove all signifiers of of personhood as a form of how powerful they are, right? As a representation of how powerful they are. They can just walk around naked with a with like a weird bird mask on and still be 10 times more powerful than he ever will be holding his little doctor's badge. <laughs> and I think that's just such like great, like subtle sort of like world building that really gets inside of this sort of interior conflict that's going on with Cruz throughout the whole movie. Like, what a small person he really is. Um, what do you make of this movie being a New York movie, like a New York uh, Christmas movie, considering it was shot, you know, in London on a soundstage? And, uh, and like, Kubrick's use of, like, do you find it to be effective in that way, or, did, or does that not work for you? It honestly worked for me a lot. I knew going into this that this movie was shot in London, but still, I kept, like, being tricked into believing that they were like walking around in the village because there's just like, there's this quality that New York has in during this time of year where just like everyone's on the street, it's cold, everyone has like big coats on and they always have like a place to go. And it's just, but like the, like the snow might be falling and the lights and everything. And there's just sort of this, like, like this, like sort of ephemera going on that creates this whole feeling. And I just really like, they captured that so well, despite not being there at all and it's just it really impressed yeah me i mean i think new york at christmas time especially you know this area um you know the downtown and um it has a very heightened feel to it i mean everything there's you know as we were saying christmas lights everywhere and like the snow it just has this like larger than life look to it and so i think when they recreate that and make this like almost surreal new york city it like works so well like works better for me than when they try to make you know toronto new york city or whatever right, um right, right and because it just feels like there's there is that sort of like you know fantasy overdrive fantasy on overdrive element to new york at that time of year so then when they make it this like fake new york it looks real because that like new york looks like that it looks fake <laughs> um yeah yeah i mean so um, do you have any other final thoughts on Eyes Wide Shut before we uh, move on? Well, I, I, I feel like we would be remiss if we don't at least mention Nicole Kidman because I think she's utterly fantastic yeah, in this yeah. movie. Underutilized, in my opinion, because I was I was also under the impression, based on its reputation, that it was much more of a two-hander that it, than it ended yeah. up being. I thought it would be very much like a movie about both characters and certainly the opening set piece really gives you that impression because you spend a lot of time with Nicole and then a lot of time with with Tom 
And then over the course of the rest of the film, it's very much through Tom's eyes. And that was almost a little disappointing for me because I think that like in those first few scenes that Nicole has, she gives such an incredible performance and she crafts such a, she just crafts such like a a compelling charismatic uh, uh, character that you want to spend time with and just like understand like all of the layers that she's putting into it. She's just so present in the moment. Like it, it really reminded me of, a totally different performance, but just like the same sort of like incredible, like electric, like presence in the moment that like Timothy Chalamet has in Call Me By Your Name, where it's just like, you're just like, oh, this is like a full person and like in a way that I've never seen before. And you're just like cracking the surface, but there's such energy and such like personality to them. And it's just like, I was, I loved every scene that she was in. And I was upset that at a certain point in the movie, she's just like, in flashback or just like sitting uh doing math homework and just like no more of her please come on what are we doing yeah i would have i would have been happy if the movie was four hours and we got as much time with nicole as we did with tom yeah exactly um so i think um that actually leads me to you know our next film which is carol which is much more of an even two-hander uh between you know our queen Kate Blanchett. And, you know, our dragon tattoo girl, Rudy Mara. Um, And, um, you know, I think, so the reason why I I wanted to pair uh, Eyes Wedge Shut with Carol, even though they're they're not really that related um, narratively, I think they have a lot of themes in common, which is sort of this evisceration of the patriarchy, um, especially in a time of year which is all about sort of the, the nuclear family and all about um you know tradition conventions uh and you know consumerism capitalism all that and i think you know with 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 carol um i love that this movie is about two women who are just like living for themselves almost in an opposite way than any woman in Eyes Wide Shut, right? Because in the in that film, oh, yes. you know, women are objects, almost like intentionally so, and I think very fascinating depiction of the male gaze and all that. But in Carol, it's it's such a reversal of that in a way that I think it makes a lot of uh, straight men uncomfortable because you know both Carol and Therese are just they just like DGAF about men. And in a way that, like, we don't ever see, or we hardly ever see, you know, with women characters in films these days. Um, And I think that this movie takes place at Christmas time um, is so key for the film for me because of how Carol basically blows up her family and isn't punished for it, you know, like... She doesn't take on the role of being the perfect, you know, 50s housewife and mother. She essentially is like, hey, I like girls, so I'm going to almost like give up full custody of my daughter, which is such a radical thing for a woman to do in that time period. And even now, I mean, I think we would still, people would still think of that as being so selfish right now, even in 2020. So I think like, like, I think Carol is as much a... I don't want to say satire, but like a deconstruction of the Christmas tradition of like the nuclear family, as Eyes Wide Shut is. Yeah, I think that it's an interesting connection between the two of them. I definitely agree that the movie that it's like very striking 
the way that this movie, Carol, has such little like interest in the sorts of expectations that men would place on a story like this. Like to the point where like the two principal male characters in it, played by Kyle Chandler and Jake Jake Lisi, are genuinely just befuddled by their by their significant others in the film, Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett. Like they just can't process what's happening. It's it, like to to a point that's like it's very interesting because you would almost expect that both of their characters to be more angry or more like judgmental or bigoted or something like that. But it's really just like a fundamental confusion that they have of like how I, like you were just acting in a way that I cannot place it to such a degree that I just can't even process it. And it's like, what is like, why I don't. And then they are explained why, and they can't, like accepts that answer. <laughs> um, and then, but ultimately like the movie isn't about them. Like the movie doesn't sit there and like linger on the male pain and like the fallout of, of this. And that's also, I think a very interesting choice. Like they're very much marginalized characters in the story of these two women um, in a way that, you know, in a, in a way that Nicole Kidman's character is a bit marginalized in the story about Tom Cruise yeah. uh, and his quest to have an right. affair, you know, um, so it, that's another interesting connection too, and like how that plays into the spirit of the season is, I think, it just like the Christmas time allows the narrative to really just like amplify the stakes of what uh, Carol is risking um, for all of this. I think, and that it pushes things to a head in a way that maybe uh, they wouldn't otherwise go to such an extreme and such a, in such a narrowly defined amount of time. Like there's so much expectations placed on her because of the season, like about like being with his, with Kyle Chandler's family at the holidays right. or like having time to, with, that like I need to have my time with my daughter and you're supposed to have time with the daughter so we can both have Christmases and give the presents and show love and affection. And it's also so interesting that like the way that, uh, the Carol character is uh, sh- like exposing her affection to her child is through this gift that she purchases at the store that Rooney Mara's character works. And like that, all of that kind of ties together. And like, there's this interesting kind of consideration of like the ways that commerce can connect us and pull us apart and, and, uh, and deeper, like it create an opportunity for intimacy and also uh, impersonal uh uh, exchanges at the same time. Um, that's all very interesting and very tied directly to the holiday season. And also, again, uh, Carol is just a beautiful looking film, and New York City in Christmas time can be just picturesque right. in a way that uh, nothing else yeah. is. So I think that also contributes to it as well. I think one of my uh, favorite moments in the film is when uh, Carol is, I think she's buying a Christmas tree and Therese is taking photos of her. And just, you know, Kate Blanchett, I mean, she's ethereally beautiful, right? I mean, she's like one of the most beautiful people ever. And just like her in like with the snow falling, with the green behind her, it's just like, it's just stunning. And it's the kind of like perfect, you know, holiday moment of just like, you know how you like love snow until like January 3rd <laughs> and then you're over snow. You want it to be June again. <laughs> and like, again, like it's just like Carol just has this, like yeah. it just takes place at that magical time. And, you know, as, as Carol and Therese go on their trip, you know, during the holiday season, it's like, um, they're not like this movie isn't like deconstructing that time of year, right? It's actually 
celebrating it, but in a way that is so unconventional in terms of these two women who are essentially, you know, writing away and just like doing what they want. And like, we, we just don't ever see that. And like, they only, and I love your tie to consumerism because like the, that, that like spy or whatever that catches them, he poses as a salesman and, you know, he's selling them at the, um, you know, at the dining, at the, like the diner and yeah. they like, they give away, like it, um, he finds them at the diner and that's how they're sort of given away and all this, all the stuff about like, you know, getting a hotel room and stuff like that. It's like all these, so many transactions. You're absolutely right. Where like transaction and capitalism and all, it can bring people together and it's like a necessary part of it. But then there's a way that you can do that, you know, outside of the sort of patriarchy that, you know, society kind of boxes into and like, so I think that's, like, to me, like, just, like, to bring these two movies together, um, I think they do a lot of very, like, very similar things, right, in terms of um, breaking, you know, the breaking the patriarchy. But Eyes Wide Shut, for me, does it as a, as a, like, it explodes Christmas and really exposes, like, it exposes sort of, like, the naked horror of Christmas, <laughs> in the sense of, like, capitalism basically, like, ruining everyone. Um, but I think Carol does the same. It also deconstructs... <laughs> it also kind of um, lays bare the um, the patriarchal part of Christmas, but it also reshapes it to give us a sort of queer-friendly version of Christmas that it can still be a joyful, beautiful, loving time, even outside of that patriarchal framework, Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I think that, that that connection is very accurate. I think that it is very interesting to think about one major way that this movie contrasts uh, with like that Carol contrasts with Eyes Wide Shut in this regard, though, because there is this very like when you're trying to deconstruct the patriarchy and Eyes Wide Shut and all of this and like trying to deconstruct the male gaze and everything, there's an incredible moralism to that film and to that thesis it's truly every time that tom cruise gets close to cheating on his wife he's confronted with the fact that like doing so will cause him to die right like it is lethal to make this choice and that certainly could be a metaphor in a sense of like by doing this it would blow up his life and it would end his life as he knows it and maybe we're using kind of like we're ever ratcheting the stakes of that into actual death in terms of like when he goes to the sex club and or there's like oh, whatever the prostitute, is going on right? there. <laughs> he almost sleeps with that prostitute. And the, the right? prostitute, he almost sleeps with the prostitute and then he finds out, he in fact, he almost sleeps with the prostitute, doesn't, and the next day goes back, almost sleeps with the friend and when she when he almost sleeps with the friend, he finds out that the prostitute has, has an yeah. HIV and is like, and it's treated as though, I mean, the woman has already died. Like yeah. it's such a, it's treated with such lethal severity right. um, to the point where it like totally kills his interest in sleeping with this other woman also. And so you're, it's like literally every time he gets close to having sex with someone and even to the point where when he is at the his patient's house who has passed away and the woman uh, kind of comes on to him and he's like confronted by his, her dead father is right there yeah. next to him. And even in the beginning of the movie, when he's flirting with the two models and it seems like maybe something is going to happen, boom, he gets called in to help with an overdose. Right. Like it's every single time his sexual 
appetite is stroked, he's confronted with death, like imminent death. Whereas like, I, <laughs> I think a- what you're getting at is that like Carol's the opposite in that that movie like celebrates sexual autonomy, right? And like these women aren't punished for 100%. it. Yeah. Yeah, and to like a very meaningful uh-huh. way. Like it's only, it's historic the degree to which these women are not punished for pursuing their own like sexual interest and their own love. And, and because of course this movie is based off of a of acclaimed novel from the middle of the century called Price of Salt, which is literally historic for being a book that was about lesbians where none of the lesbians died by the end of it, right? So it's like it's this movie is like incredibly in opposition to that sort of moralism. And I think that just creates a very interesting contrast. And I think it's it's good in that sense because Eyes Wide Shut is so much about the male libido and this is about like like female empowerment through sexuality yeah. and that's just and so I think that contrast is very useful in that regard. Absolutely. I totally yeah, I totally agree with that. And um you know like we were mentioning earlier about uh, Tom, like basically this whole movie is Tom Cruise like kind of whining and you're kind of like even if you think he's sort of being childish and idiotic we're still on that journey with him whereas like in Carol like we have those two the, the two men who are sort of baffled at what's going on but then like we don't follow them right so it's like it's interesting that even as Eyes Wide Shut successfully in my opinion takes down sort of this patriarchy thing um, it also indulges in it because you're absolutely right. We don't follow Nicole Kidman. We don't follow any of the other women. We follow Tom Cruise, who's basically crying that like he can't have sex. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just and also is truly scandalized that his wife yeah. would have a sexual appetite outside of him. Like it literally never occurred to him that that would be true until that conversation oh i mean which is by the way i think my favorite i mean it's like if anyone thinks nicole kidman's a bad actress which like i mean that's a dumb thing to think but like let's say you do think that watch that scene it is like she goes (laughs) i mean like the more you watch this movie alex i think um you'll see how like funny it is i mean i'm not i'm sure you found it funny but like uh that scene in particular like it can be really funny in a way that it's like feels intentional to me it's like the just i mean i've seen i've seen that scene you know three four or five times and i saw it with an audience back in january and it like brought the house down in a way that i'd never even thought that it could but it's just like she's so good in that scene and it's like that like that should have been like an oscar scene for her yeah oh absolutely i mean it's incredible like it's was she even nominated for an oscar that year no um i think this eyes wide shut got like I think there was a lot of people who thought it'd be a very, like, sexy movie about people having sex a lot. And because this movie is, like, one big case of blue balls, I think people just, like, I did not get a good reception. I I don't think until, like, recently the people kind of reappraise it as, I think it's, I mean, not that I know that much about Kubrick, but it's my favorite Kubrick movie. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know enough of his work either, unfortunately. He's a major blind spot. But I definitely enjoyed this quite a bit. And um, but it does even in the aftermath, it I do think it has that it, that reputation of being a really sexy movie. Like I was expecting it to be sort of like this like wife swap yeah, group yeah. sex sort of like cult weird thing happening. And it's literally the opposite of that. It's just like, oh no, sex is everywhere, right. but if you touch it, you die. <laughs> right. like that's the whole movie. <laughs> um, and uh 
why don't we um why don't we end there with that beautiful thought <laughs> alex uh, where can people find you <laughs> online what are you up to these days yeah, so you can follow my film podcast, Cinema Joe's. Uh, Manish uh, was on it. Um, his episode uh, on Vertigo is scheduled to come out in January. We did a whole series of of, um, of episodes on some of our uh, favorite people's favorite films. And so they came on to talk about it. We've talked about like Scream and Before Sunset and Vertigo, like I said, It's a Wonderful Life, like all these like great movies. Um, so we've been rolling out those those episodes over the course of the fall. So definitely check that out at Cinema Joe's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on Twitter at Cinema Joe's. Um, you can follow me personally at Media Thinkings on Twitter and Letterboxd. Uh, and I also um, the, am the TV editor for PopBreak.com, uh, where I host a couple of podcasts on the PopBreak TV podcast feed. So you can check out that if you're looking for some TV content. Excellent. And um, you can find me on Twitter at TheManish89. Also, my two podcasts, It Pod to Be You and Queer Now, which are both on on Twitter as well, so you can check us out there. Alex, thank you so much for uh, joining me for this episode. And listeners, thanks for listening. Uh, please, I hope you guys all enjoy the rest of the festival. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.